Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Hello, hello. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 153. And uh, today we are talking about the song Julia by the Beatles. But before we do, I want to encourage you all to swing by Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash kinks and beats, and uh, join our Facebook discussion group where we're going to talk about the bands and this podcast and whatever you want. And you can also vote. We're doing a series of polls that will become a bracket. Um, and we're voting for our favorite, not our favorite, the best kinks and the best Beatles songs. Um, so join us over there. Have a, have a chat with some like-minded fans from around the world. So like I said, today we're talking about Julia by the Beatles. It was released November 22nd, 1968 on the White Album. It closes side two of the first disc. Uh, as you know, the White Album is a double disc LP, and this was side two of four as the closer. And it's the only song in the entire Beatles catalog to only feature John as he accompanies himself on acoustic guitar. Paul had done it several times. John only did it once. Uh, George never did it. And Ringo never did it. So of all the songs that only feature one Beatle, all but one of them are Paul McCartney. And this is John's only solo song. Um, the picking style he uses on his guitar, and like I said, he's doing this, it's a double track guitar, double track vocal. He's doing it live in studio, um, at the same time. And the reason he double tracks the vocals is because he's got overlapping, um, lines of lyric. So you needed to have some way for him to sing both these lines without bringing Paul or George in to sing backing vocals. Um, the picking style he uses is called Travis guitar picking, and he learned it in India from the singer Donovan, who you know is uh, Mellow Yellow or uh, uh, oh, what's that song? The Superman song. Maybe it's just called Superman. I don't know, but you know Donovan, and uh, he taught him how to to use this style of picking that he would end up using all over the place. He uses it a bunch of times on the White Album. It's on uh. Uh, Abbey Road and basically what you're doing with your guitar is playing two guitar parts at once and I can't play it for you right now because uh, my guitar my acoustic is not tuned in a way that I can play Travis picking Um, but what you're doing is with your right thumb you're picking out a bass line and usually the bass line is just on very stable rhythm it's one, two, three, four, or one and two and three and four, and whatever the case is, it's very stable. And it's usually just picking out a bass line. And it kind of resembles, uh, in piano, they have a thing called Alberti bass, which is you're going um, like one, five, three, five, one, five, three, five, one, five, three, five, one, five. You're doing that. Uh, the bass on Travis Picking is very similar to that style, although it's not necessarily doing one, five, three, five. Um, and so you've got the, the, the thumb picking out this baseline part, and then the other fingers on the, the higher strings are picking out these syncopated arpeggios. 
And so you've got, like in the case of this song, his thumb's doing, or the bass line, I don't know that it's only his thumb, he might be using his index finger too, is doing uh, eighth note patterns. And you've got the 16th syncopated stuff coming on the higher strings. John is playing it in the key of C, but he's using a capo on the second fret, so the, the song sounds like it's in the key of D. It is in the key of D. Um, but he's playing it using C shape. So if you're trying to learn this song on guitar and you're looking at the chords online and you can't figure out how to make a D chord sound the way he's doing it, he's actually playing it um, with a capo on the first fret and playing it as a C shape. And his bass notes are mostly hitting roots and fifths on the downbeats. So he's going bum, 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 bum on one, two, three, and four. And then he's hitting kind of a pedal tone on the upbeats. Uh, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily mix with the chord that he's playing. So he's got all these, because he's using these pedal tones um, and open strings and stuff, he's got these beautiful chords that are coming out. Instead of it just being, you know, D major to B minor to whatever, it's he's adding sixths and major sevenths and all this kind of stuff. So the chord progression on this song is actually really beautiful. Um, the melody of the song, though, is often very monotone and with very little movement. And it almost creates a drone that instead of the drone being underneath the song, which is where you would normally put a song kind of as the foundation, he's putting the drone on top and all the movement is actually in his chord progression. Uh, in 2006, the band Medeski, Schofield, Martin, and Wood released an instrumental cover of this song. And you'd think that the repeated notes, you know, half of what I say is meaningless. He's just playing that one note over and over. You'd think that that would get monotonous or boring. But if you listen to the instrumental version, you know, and when I saw that they did this cover, it's a great album if you don't know the band, but this cover is really good too. Uh, I thought, how do you do that as an instrumental? It's just one note, but it actually works. And it works because of the chord changes that he's got going underneath it. And it adds a greater resolution when the chords finally do move. It's like you're teetering over the, you know, on the edge of a cliff and it takes you forever to actually jump off into the water. And that's what he's doing here is that when he, you know, just to reach you, Julia. And he finally does push you over that cliff. And you've got this beautiful resolution because this drone has been going under over on top of these moving chord progressions. Um, so it's cool. It's a cool bit of songwriting and something that we're not used to seeing uh, from John necessarily. This track was recorded on October 13th, 1968 in three takes. John, like I said, double-tracked both his vocal and his guitar part, and a mix was created that same session, um, which makes it one of the fastest recordings the Beatles um, ever did. I mean, we've talked about, you know, Obladi, which had a thousand takes over the course of a month and a half or whatever it was, 40 hours of, of recording. He did this one in three takes, and there's an excerpt on the anthology where one of those takes, um, he kind of flubs it. Um. And it's possible that it's the the fastest recording of this period. When they're at this point, they are in the realm of overdubbing and really building these arrangements from the bottom up. So this might be the quickest um, recording to that to this point 
you know, up until Paul does Her Majesty the next year. Uh, and that's about it. Three takes, it's done. And I believe it's the last song that they started recording for the White Album. At, at the, by the point they were doing Julia, I believe most of the recording was done and they were actually in the mixing process for the other tracks on this tune, on this uh, album. This track has never been a favorite of mine and you know it comes at the end of a disc and is preceded by a song I almost always skip. Right before it is I Will and I know people love that song. Um, I don't hate the song. I've actually recorded an acoustic cover of that song, but I almost always skip it. There's something about that tune that I'm just never in the mood for it. Um, and since I almost always skip it and Julia is the only song after it, a lot of times I just go to the next disc of the White Album. Um, so because of that, I don't really listen to it as often as I should, but every time I do hear it, it strikes me, uh, with its simplicity and its beauty. Um, and it strikes me that this is the same person who put together revolution nine for the same album. So it's interesting in that respect. And it is a beautiful song. And if you aren't familiar with it or haven't listened to it in a while, really listen to it and really focus on the lack of movement on on the melody line and how impactful that lack of movement makes the eventual movement and how it just kind of floats almost separate from what's going on in the acoustic guitar part uh on the on a lighter note the official sheet music for this song features um the two pictures of George and Ringo from the inside of uh Abby, uh, of the white album two famous pictures uh, the cover of the sheet music features those two pictures of George and Ringo, who we just talked about, neither of whom appear on the track. So that was uh, a, a bit of interesting oversight, I guess. I don't know. Um, so that's it for Julia. If you love this song or if you hate this song, let me know. Call me 925-494-1739. Email me at kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. Or like I said, join our Facebook group. Um, and get a discussion going with me and the other fans of these bands and this podcast. And of course, as always, swing by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. All right, thanks. I will talk to you next time. Have a great day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. Herohabit.com. Collect your heroes.